Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What? A comics and pop culture podcast coming to you from the not-so-salutary fortress that is WaitWhatPodcast.com. Today, Graham McMillan and I have a sprightly two-hour episode talking about our lists for the best books of 2014, as well as all the many reasons you should not trust our lists for the best books of 2014. Titles discussed today include The Wrenchies, Wild's End, Transformers vs. G.I. Joe, It's Oh So Quiet, Cobra, Mighty Avengers, Grace and Very Casual, Bat Manga by Jiro Kawata, Southern Bastards, and so very many more. In fact, we had so many books to discuss, we bumped our final installment of our Avengers read-through to next episode. Non-Avengery, list-heavy show notes await you at waitwhatpodcast.com. We welcome your comments and questions at waitwhatpodcast at gmail.com, and we invite you to look out for us at Twitter, Tumblr, and Patreon. As always, we hope you enjoy, wish you the best of happy holidays, and thank you for listening. Jeff! What? How are you? God, Graham, I, um... I'm hilariously high-strung today, so... Do you want to know what's really funny? Uh, this, this would be great for the listeners. So am I! <laughs> really? Oh my goodness. I was not expecting that. I sort of figured you would be Marshall McMillow. Uh, no, I am... Uh, I was sick over the weekend. Mm-hmm. And so I'm at the... I feel like I've not had a chance to actually relax it. You know... Mm-hmm. For now, and that is the point where I just start getting weirdly overreacted to everything. <laughs> oh, well, that'll be great. We'll have a fantastically high-strung podcast. And so this week and last week, we've had people in the house painting rooms, oh, right. had house painters in, which, which you know I was emailing you about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what the listeners don't know is when that happens, first of all, they were great. I, I, I really can't say enough good things about them. They did a great job. They were super friendly. They were super nice to be around. But it's nonetheless having strangers in your house. Um, and I get really weirdly like, I feel under siege in my own house when that happens. <laughs> so yeah, so between the being sick and feeling like I've not had a chance to switch my brain off at any point mm-hmm. and having the house painters in, I am like weirdly what's going on what's happening what 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 the fuck what do you mean what no huh what no what what no that, that is pretty much my mindset right now and i knew from uh your email that you were feeling the same oh yes and i was just like oh this could be the funniest podcast we've ever <laughs> yeah i have to apologize to uh you and the listeners in advance because uh i for i've been stuff is up Stuff is stuff is happening, yeah. But it also, I was going to leave it at the very simplest sort of Occam's razor kind of. I had coffee this morning that tasted fantastic, but I've been doing a, a decaf thing over the last couple of weeks, and this was. Oh, God. So you must. You, I mean, even without everything else that's going on, you must have been feeling nuts. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I'm. So that's it. I, I've got kind of that caffeine high strung jitter nerves that you get, and. Uh, I kind of feel like, uh, MODOP, which is the, um, mobile organism designed only for peeing. So we'll see, we'll see how many times. <laughs> so there, might, there might be a lot of breaks is what you're saying. There may, there may be, we'll see, we'll see. It may, may press on, but I, I was... oh, put it on mute and then just take your laptop into the, the... <laughs> awesome. maybe I'm doing that now, Graham. That's Maybe what a I'm professional podcaster would do. Oh my god. You know, don't you think the phrase professional podcaster is inherently suspect? 
Yeah, I really do. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but then I also feel his professional blogger is suspect, and I am a professional blogger. <laughs> so, you know, uh, glass houses and stones indeed, and Indeed, indeed. You know, it, it's that sort of thing. But, um, no, you're right. I do actually feel a professional podcaster is just – here's the thing. I think professional whatever is suspect mm, because I think I think that either you do or you don't. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I think that as soon as you're like, well, I'm a professional, you start a defining how, why you're a professional, mm-hmm. and b it almost sounds defensive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not just a podcaster; I'm a professional podcaster. Right. Right. You know, or I'm I'm not a blogger. I'm a professional blogger. Well, I I think there's I think there's a certain degree of pride to it. I mean, I I that I can get. Like for example, I'm very impressed with you making the jump from blogger to professional blogger is pretty significant. You know what I mean? Like, and depending on how you define these terms or whatever. So there are times where it's like. Uh, I I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I just sort of half started reading this this New Yorker article about about YouTube stars uh, mm-hmm. and basically the upcoming generation of Vine stars. You know, kids. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and I'm just like, huh. And and what's interesting is is that they themselves, the the stars that come out of that, have a very similar attitude, uh, at least professed outright out loud that you and I have where they're kind of like, I'm just amazed that I have this many friends. You know what I mean? And I, yeah, it, it's kind of nuts. I remember uh, the last time I went to my doctor, mm-hmm. uh, you do like, you go into the doctor and doctor's like, you know, let's do the checkup, blah, blah, blah. And at the end he goes, uh, go and get your blood pressure taken. And they have a person whose job is to take the blood pressure. Right. Right. And so I go into her room and she's all like, she's super excited. And we're chatting, she's taking my blood pressure. And eventually I'm, I'm more or less go, why are you so happy? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, cause she's overly happy. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, you can tell when someone is really, really excited about something yes. and it's not what they're talking to you about. And eventually you either are really nosy and you're like, so what's going on? Or they just tell you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm like, you know, what, what's going on? And she's like, I'm going to a YouTube convention. <laughs> and it turned out like her thing was she makes YouTube videos. Really? And and she was going to a convention of people who make YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. And like a comic convention, like it's it's an enthusiast convention which is also has the guests of honor who are people who do this for a living. Right. Right. Do you know what I mean? And it's mm-hmm. just there was something about that that I I both immediately I understood the framework mm-hmm. but also felt very old because I was like, oh my God, there's YouTube conventions. Right. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, that's enough of a thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, it, it is kind of amazing because, it, it, of course, it's a thing. I mean, some, some of these people... No, but, 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 you know, a convention's a thing. Yeah. That it's not just that people are making... You know, when YouTube oh, announced I, their mm-hmm. channels thing and their original right. programming, that felt like a landmark. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, people are putting serious money into this people are, are it's now going to be their jobs to create content for youtube yes um but then as soon as they were then like and we're having conventions we're having fan conventions for youtube mm-hmm. that that felt like another step somehow you know it, it does feel like another step it also feels interesting because i feel um well uh, how do i put this like uh, 
w- with the exception of, uh, like, say, well, maybe, depending on when it started, country western music and NASCAR are the two things that I can think of where there is a, a ton of, like, kind of meet the fan days sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, as you know, a lot of other rock music has ti- has a lot of structure that was tied to radio uh, for getting people to get out and meet the bands or whatever. But, you know, apart from mega festivals and things, it seems like there's not a lot of entertainment industries that really had the idea of the convention concept. You know, I think that, and I could be absolutely wrong here, but I, I kind of feel something. it's just another way that for better or for worse. And on my gloomier days, I definitely think for worse that comic books have taken over the world. You know, the idea of how of having of having a convention where you put everyone together and ostensibly there's like panels for the pros, but there's really just tons of meet and greet and screaming opportunities. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, I I think it's fascinating. I I think it's fascinating the way that San Diego Comic-Con basically became that for the Hollywood industry, at least a, a certain segment of it. Um, and, and I think it's interesting, the idea that, that there will be as more new form media, I want to say media ums, but media of entertainment starts springing up. I wonder if they will continue to have, you know, like you said, conventions, you know, well, that, that's, that's almost why I was so surprised by YouTube because it, it mm-hmm. feels too young. Mm-hmm. To have a convention, mm-hmm. it feels it feels too young to have that culture, which I think is just me betraying my age. Mm-hmm. I, I think that culture, pop culture in general, has speeded up to the degree where you know YouTube's what ten years old. So of course it's got that culture, right? Because that's that's you know it probably had that culture like five or you know three or four years ago. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, and I. Because there's, I would say there's there's definitely a Tumblr culture, and they had that terrible Tumblr convention. Was that last year or this year? Yeah, but was that was year, different. That was yeah, exactly. That was a, that was a disaster. Yeah, exactly. That was a disaster, <laughs> semi fraud no. sort of situation. Yeah, so. but I, I feel that I feel that that's just what's happening now. Mm-hmm. That, that I am that my immediate response of no, like wait, wait another ten years to, to have your fucking YouTube <laughs> convention. It's just me not understanding the speed at which these things move these days. The speed at which things move, but also I suspect, again, there's a way in which um, the porous borders between creators and consumers are... Well, especially for something like YouTube. Yeah, exa- well, exactly, exactly. Well, but in a way, just really just everything on the net. You know what I mean? Like, honestly, I'm I'm kind of... Frankly, you know, it's in in my heart of hearts. I would love it if SF Gate, you know, the the web portal for the SF San Francisco Chronicle, had some sort of convention where, like, all the horrible troll commentators could be like, <laughs> you know, troll con exactly troll con is like, hey, I you love guys, this, but you went after that bitch on the internet <laughs> exactly. Now meeting in shipping barge E seven. You know, uh, uh, upon the Golden Fang freighter. You know, oh god, yeah. oh man, that would be horrible. I, I had a, um, and I'm, I'll have to sort of talk circuitously around this because it's a story I didn't run, but a story I researched earlier this week. Mm-hmm. Talking about fandoms, mm-hmm. um, I have recently, and I 
touched on this a bit on Tumblr. Um, been getting into fandoms that... It, not getting into... I've been looking into fandoms that I'm not part of. Mm-hmm. And I have been sort of investigating the way they work and seeing the commonalities between fandoms that, that exist and don't exist. Mm-hmm. And as a result of this, this week I came across uh, a fandom in revolt against the thing that it is that they're fans of. And it's a particular person. It's a fandom based around a person. <laughs> because of this, because of something this person uh, supposedly did on the internet. Oh, man. Right? Oh, you and your securities talking, Graham McMillan. Well, it, it's it, here's the thing. It's not something that you have any uh, interaction with, or I doubt you have interaction with, mm-hmm. but it's something that if I said the name, mm-hmm. people would be like, oh, I want to know what the rest of the story. Sure. Um, but what was fascinating to me was, so this fandom is in revolt against this person for this thing that this person supposedly did. Mm-hmm. In researching this, because it's it's fascinating to me, and this really started with the Doctor Who fandom, seeing everyone just being like Stephen Moffat, fuck you, and oh, right. almost in, like inventing reasons. Do you know what I mean? Like like misrepresenting what he said to the point where you're literally, you know, it's not even a game of telephone anymore. Right. It's a game of you th- like he said A, and I'm upset he said X. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm you know I'm researching what this person did. Only to find out this person didn't do it. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I can totally see that if you went into the situation with the intent to get upset, yes. you can intentionally misread what happened mm-hmm. that they did do it. Mm-hmm. I ended up getting in touch with the PR person for this, the, uh, the PR company for this person. Right. And this is, a, this is the particular part where I'm like, I'm not, I want to the name. Because the PR person was great. And we had a very good back and forth about it. But in the end, they were like, you can't run the story because A, it didn't happen. Right. And B, I, like, we just don't need this. We don't need the hassle. Right. Like, even, even acknowledging this exists mm-hmm. <laughs> is the worst thing in the world. Right. Exactly. It's you know, just going like, to I, add ridiculous amounts of fuel. And this at the same time as being like, but we love our fans. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And that's the weird reality we're in now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where it's, it's, you have to be totally aware that your trolls are also your audience. Oh, yeah. And you have to simultaneously be like, well, they're trolls. What are you going to do? Mm-hmm. While saying, but we love them. Yeah. Well, and I feel like, that like this... we will feed the trolls while saying we should not be feeding the trolls. Right. Well, but the, the flip side of that that comes out of it is something that I think you and I are very familiar with, which is uh, professionals in industries, and I'm particularly thinking about the professionals in the comic book industry, who are pretty quick to talk about fans in, I don't want to say the lowest common denominator oh, no, but, type but way. Definitely, definitely dismissive. Yeah. Um, like, we, we and everyone who is listening to this podcast... Mm-hmm can think of at least three creators who cannot acknowledge any criticism yeah. without r- writing in the, but it doesn't really count because they're mouth breathers who live in their mother's basement. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, absolutely. Or the, or the alternate. Or, or, or they're, you know, they're online and they don't, they don't really mean it. Yeah. 
they, they don't mean it, uh, it's not applicable, or, or even just the idea that it's kind of, um, yeah, that any negative criticism instantly gets shunted into the insta-troll category. You yeah, know? which is, I, this is really strange because uh, this is a conversation I was quasi-having on Twitter this week about Kelly Sue DeConnick's uh, Bitch Planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fact that so much of a reaction to it is not a reaction to the work. Mm-hmm. Or it's been a reaction to Taconic as much as a reaction to an idea of Taconic. Mm-hmm. Um, which I totally see, but mm-hmm. I feel that there's, in making that point, you also run the risk of invalidating any legitimate criticism. Because you end up doing the, well, you know, they all have ulter- ulterior motives. Huh. Uh, I, I, I think it's very, uh, I think it's very difficult to be openly critical about certain creators, and I think Deconic's definitely one of them because oh, yeah. she gets so much bile thrown at her mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that I, I, I think it's very difficult to, to actually point out criticisms. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, maybe or maybe not. It's uh, uh, the reason I'm saying this is I had a response to what was being said, which I agreed with. That was almost. Sure, but I also think she has a reputation that her work doesn't back up. And and there's no... I don't know, I feel like, like even expressing that is a slippery slope. Do you know what I mean? No, 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 no. Well, see, and this is the thing that I think is really frustrating and problematic. Because on the one hand, I kind of feel that if you... I think if you just sort of more or less leave it like that, you know... I almost feel like that that is fine because, for example, that exact expression is something that I know that you and I, just to pull an example out of there, have said exactly the same thing about Jonathan Hickman. You know? Sure. But yeah. Hickman has, uh, by, by virtue of being like a white male, it is a less um, l- loaded statement. You know? Yeah, exactly, exactly. That that's exactly what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So I, it, it, I think it's it's very, it it is very difficult to like like that's the thing. I I feel anxious about having said that about Deconic because I don't want to be lumped in with people who are just like, well, fuck it. You know, she only got into the industry because she's married to Mad Fraction and mm-hmm. blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know, because that's that's not what I'm saying. But I think it's a really easy for to be lumped in with those people, both by those who agree and to disagree with the criticism. Yes. Right. Exactly. <laughs> no, and I, I think that is that is one of those things that, um, yeah, I, to- I totally understand being super careful about it. But I, unfortunately, I think that's why there is that moment of like, yeah, let's just leave it at, you know, reputation seems overblown to me. Like, reputation seems to exceed the work, I think is, is something that, you know... <sighs> Is 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 he, you can put out there? It's just anything after that starts getting problematic because that is the thing. No, you know what I mean. Like with Jonathan Hickman, there's a lot of other. You just don't have those other assumptions get piled onto you. You know? What yeah, I mean? exactly. Uh, yeah. Um, and I I think that DeConnick is one of those um, people that is one of the things I really appreciate a. About her um, pu- 
public presence is that when she first started writing for Marvel, that influence was something that she herself acknowledged. And, and it was, and I'm kind of like, but that sort of makes me want to like kind of mention it even less rather than more, you know what I mean? Because it's not, uh, uh, I don't know. It's no, that's, so that's just a, it's a really weird thing to discuss because ev- everything is so loaded. Right. Everything is loaded. I mean, ultimately, the thing that I think is interesting is while pulling together a list of books and things uh, for our sort of half-assed best of list, um, you know, uh, well, I, you know, let's get I, – I, let, let me come back to that later. But yes, I think oh, – I'm super curious. Well, uh, you know what it super is. Super curious. Uh, what it is, and may, maybe this will help us change the tenor of the conversation or, or deepen it maybe, uh, is that one of the things that I thought was interesting about drawing up my best of list were the number of books that – you know, this is the kind of thing that they sometimes say in Academy Award years, where it's like, it, it's, there, there are those years where you've got, um, really a few really exceptional movies, and then you've got those years where you've got, like, a really strong crop of movies. You know what I mean? And not all of them are exceptional, but it's one of those like it's a it's a bountiful harvest. One of the things that I really liked in trying to put together my best of list is there were a lot of books that to me I couldn't justify putting on a best of list because I thought the books were uneven. Like they would have like Sex Criminals, for example, is a to me a fine example of a book that had some brilliant stuff in it and also had stuff that that missed, you know what I mean? And, and actually I was, I was, so for me, a book like pretty deadly, um, is a book that I'm exceptionally, uh, it's not a best of for me, but it, it, it was a man. I was really glad it was out there. You know, mm-hmm. there was a, there were a lot of like really kind of good, unique potential to grow books. That's really interesting because I, we were talking about the best of an email yesterday and I was mm-hmm. like, ah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not there. Like I, I'm not finished. Mm-hmm. And the more I came to try and come up with a best of list, the more I realized I didn't want to do a best of list. I wanted to do a like favorite books list or a, these are the things that made me happy list. Yeah. Because I, I feel that I'm not sure I can say this is the best of the year, but when I think back and I said this in my, my post on the website, Mm-hmm. I come back to things like Flash Garden, mm-hmm. which is just just makes me happy. Yes, right. You know, so, and that's, or, or right, exactly, or, or the you know books like or Saga, mm-hmm. which I just is consistently strong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yet if someone was like, you know, is that the best comic of the year? I have no idea. Well, I definitely feel for myself, right? The the you know, and I'm glad that we're we're sort of talking about that now. Is that although I feel like I read a lot of comics. I, there's definitely stuff where I'm not widely read. There's definitely stuff that I completely missed. Like, I know that there's a ton of people for whom, uh, uh, what's it called? Mega Hex, um, by Fanographics definitely is going to hit like a bunch of the best of lists, 
you know, for this mm-hmm. year. I feel really comfortable saying that. Uh, I, yeah. I still haven't, I still haven't read it. Like I, I keep forgetting to like ask for it at the store. And mm-hmm. of course it's out of print again for like the second time this year with Fanagraphics. Yeah. So, I, I, the not well read thing also hits me. Cause like I've still not read seconds. Right. right. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. I'm like, Oh I'm my God, not... you haven't read seconds. I still haven't read seconds. Oh my God. I was like, I thought you were talking about some other book. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. I still haven't read seconds. Uh, it's oh. there are so many books from the second half of this year in particular that mm-hmm. I've just like missed mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. upright completely missed yeah yeah um for various reasons and some of them are and I think I went into this when seconds came out they I'm not sure I want to make that financial commitment on something that I'm feeling so ambivalent about mm-hmm. uh, and also there are ones where I just straight up missed them like I just I I was not. But I, uh, in starting to think about my best of slash favorite comics of the year list, yeah. uh, I was I was looking at what other people had suggested. Mm-hmm. And like, have you seen the AV Club list? I haven't I haven't read or heard of about half of those books. Uh, I have not looked at it, and it wouldn't surprise me. No, absolutely. When I when I sit down and I look at the list of someone of of shows of stuff from the AV Club or. Um, you know, even someone like Joe McCulloch, you know, the comic books are burning in hell guys are going to have absolutely amazingly great suggestions and taste. And it's, it's utterly, utterly different because part of me is like sitting there kind of going, mm-hmm. well, what's happening in uh, this middle 200 range of Avengers, you know, and it's just <laughs> that, that certainly ends up, uh, uh, that, that, you know, that plays a part. I, I, I in other words, I always feel that every one of my like best of lists has always been sort of uh it, it a it's closer to a most enjoyable list uh and b always has to be seen through the the filter of the people you know putting the list together. One of the things that I sort of like part of the reason why I actually feel that that is um super important for us uh, and just in general is is definitely with the podcast the people our wonderful whatnots, uh, like know us, know enough of our tastes and things, things like that. And I think, um, you know, a are simpatico enough, and b I think also if there's a- anybody who's able to properly take us with the the right grain of salt, exactly. Yeah, you know what I mean. You, yeah, you, yes. By this point, if you're if you're a regular listener, you know there are books that we're just not going to choose, not because. They're bad, but because they just don't cross into our yeah. fields of vision. Yeah, they don't cross our event horizon enough. Um, you know, I since we've started, since we rebooted in, in June and started doing the Patreon cast, I, I think I feel even more of an obligation to try things than ever. But that really is such a, like, that's me being like, okay, so I'm going to pick up a lot of these number one issues from image, you know what I mean? Yeah, or it's yeah. like, it does not drive me out into to the forest very far. Um, I'm hoping the stuff that I, you know, end up foraging for and bring back provides use, but we're definitely not the dudes who are like out there, you know, past the bleeding edge, like well, dragging back the. Yeah. And what I've, I've noticed is, uh, and this sounds like I'm blaming my job and I'm, very much not. Mm-hmm. But the more I do the Hollywood Reporter, the more I focus in on what 
I'd write about in the Hollywood Reporter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So that mm-hmm. gets increasingly mainstream. Yeah, yeah, I totally see that. I, I totally see. I, you know, there's a way in which I wish that I had that excuse. <laughs> you know, I'm just kind of like, hmm, because I really do. Like, people are going to have to be like, like there is. I don't know. I'm just like, I'm going to be putting the Scooby-Doo team-up comic on my quote-unquote best-of list. And, you know, the person who's over there championing, uh, I don't know, the latest volume of, of Prison Pit or something is going to want to put their fist through my skull. And I and I think that... <laughs> and with good reason. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so should I just, like, read out my unfinished list with the understanding that it's just favorite stuff that was in my head, and of course I will have forgotten stuff. Yeah, and and throw in throw in commentary and what have you. Yeah, let's let's uh, do this thing, Graham McMillan. Let's, let's do it. Um, and also, there are things on here. In, oh, there's at least two things on here where I'm not sure I like them, mm-hmm. but I like that they exist enough that I want to mention them. If that right. makes sense. Oh, totally, totally. Uh, so okay, so let's start with those two. Mm-hmm. The ranchies. Yes. Which I I think we even said when we were talking about it, like, I, I said something along the lines of, I don't think I like it, but I think it's one of the best books of the year. Mm-hmm. And, and I, have, I have still been thinking about it since mm-hmm. I read. Mm-hmm. So, it, I mean, it's just, it's it's amazingly dense and, and amazingly filled with uh, meaning and open to interpretation. And you, you very much get your money's worth with that book. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh God, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you on that. Of course, and you I'm know just, I'm much that's more on your list, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. The wrenchies is like I would have to say uh, it's kind of interesting because I I feel like I'm for a variety of reasons, you know, I I ended up spending more time money on floppies and digital stuff and less money on graphic novels and uh, OGNs and reprints and stuff. So it's going to be very hard for me to sort of. Oh, so all, that's one where my list in particular yeah. is almost but, my almost all of mine are, are floppies. Yeah, so so it's but absolutely the wrenchies is uh, honestly I think it's a three way battle for first place for me for the best graphic novel of the year being the wrenchies uh, hospital suite by John Porcolino Porcelino uh, and uh, Nishigahara holograph by Anio Asano, which is interesting because it's got a two hundred two thousand thirteen publication date but i would swear up and down that i read it oh you know i think i actually did read it like the very last month of 2013 maybe now that i think about it they call that december jeff is is that what they call it that's (laughs) what they call it now yeah (laughs) just just recently anyway this this is when we should have the um the blind boys from alabama doing last month the year (laughs) oh my god i just sent you that as a file and you can edit it in at this point (laughs) okay please do send me Uh, okay the other thing um that i i like a lot Mm -hmm. but I'm including it here almost because of what it represents, others in the comic, is Lumberjanes. Interesting, Graham. Interesting. Uh, huh. I really like I, – I, have you kept reading it? You know, I gave up just as I felt like the book was finally finding its purpose and its structure. Um so I think the last issue I read might have been issue six or something where the kind of mystery behind the backstory is revealed and they get into the temple and stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I, um, I've started this new thing. I get a lot of PDFs, as you mm-hmm. know, through, mm-hmm. through you. Um, I've started editing the PDFs together into collections, essentially, nice. which works really well with 2080 strips. Mm-hmm. 
Because all of a sudden you're like, ah, you know, I could read 10 to 10 days or I could read, like, edit all the Dread chapters together. Right, right. And read, like, a Dread collection. Um, and l- so that's what I did with Lumberjanes in the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, I read it individually up until maybe issue four. Mm-hmm. And then when issue eight came out, I, I edited them all together and mm-hmm. essentially read, like, the Lumberjanes collection that mm-hmm. will be. Mm-hmm. Um, and it reads much stronger like that. There's something really attractive about the episodic nature when you're reading it non-episodically, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, the structure feels a lot more coherent, mm. um, and it doesn't feel as light, mm-hmm. but you still get the lightness of the material in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it becomes a much more attractive reading experience. And so I really I came away liking it a lot more. Mm-hmm. I, I think it really does the flaws, and I think it does take... I'm not, I think I might give it like issue four when it came into its own more than issue six mm, but interesting. but i think if you read like the first eight issues there's there's a learning curve in there definitely yeah uh, but, yeah, but i but i like what it i don't know it feels very um different and, mm. and if, uh not just in terms of the subject matter but in terms of the f- intent of the creators mm-hmm mm-hmm it, it it feels very much like a comic that is created by people who have very different interests to me and very different aims to me. Right. And and I really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny because I read that and then last night I read the the first three issues of Gotham Academy again. And the two of them go very together in my mind. Mm-hmm. And I, I like Gotham Academy a lot more than I thought I did as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Upon rereading, I was like, oh, this is actually really, really strong YA series, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it's quote unquote mainstream enough mm-hmm. that Lumberjanes gets the edge. Yeah, I I would say that Lumberjanes is is my wrenchies, I suppose. You know, because I I in that I'm really I'm glad it's out there. I think people should seek it out and see if it's to their taste. Um, honestly, there was just somebody, and they might have it might have been something I came across on God, maybe it was on your Tumblr where somebody was just basically saying like. Lumberjanes is this incredibly important comic to me because it, it, it is essentially because all the female characters, because all the characters are women or girls, uh, they, there's not the, oh, I, there's not one figure that you're forced to identify with as, as a, as a female reader. You can actually pick the personality that's the most like you. There's, yes, they, yes. they're not I, I, all interchangeable characters. Exactly, but they're all different characters. Exactly. But not so different that you feel that each one has been assigned, like, you're the smart one. Mm-hmm. You're, you know? Right. Instead, there's enough crossover mm-hmm. that they feel just like characters. Yeah, yeah. And I, th- I think that is, that is crucial. Um, there's also this amazing article that, uh, gosh, that I'll never be able to find where there was, uh, it was it was somebody's Twitter link that that was like a, a female, like a, a lesbian blogger who was talking about her favorite queer friendly comics, and she mentioned like Fearless Defenders. Um, oh, it's it's Al Collins, isn't it? Uh, I, sure, I mm. think it is. I, th- I think it's Al Collins Tumblr. Okay, uh, that I, if, I, I say that only because I noticed she was blogging about that the other day. Then it probably is. And one of the things that I thought was great was she mentioned The Fuse as a book where she was like, um, 
where one of the protagonists is like the most masculine woman she's ever seen in her life portrayed in a comic. And she said it was just, she's like, I cannot tell you how amazing it is to open a comic and see a representation, a physical representation that you can identify with, you know, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. she's like, as who she is, as a, as again, a middle-aged, I think she says butch lesbian you know i was just like that's just that it's so funny because you know we're both white straight males Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so we'll never have that experience because pop culture exists to serve us as it's oh you know i mean i i this has definitely been the year for me where i think i've really actually come to realize that in a way more than intellectually if that mm-hmm. makes sense yes no no no, no. I'm you know where you. i'm not mm-hmm. just like you know i know everyone else is underserved whereas this year this is year where i've been like oh that's right you know everyone else is horrifically fucking underserved yeah yeah and i think for me it sort of happened at uh a really good time i mean i don't know i don't think i would have been you know some crazy you know Game, Gamergate type yelling about the social justice warriors. If this, if I felt this was the happening, you know, back when, you know, if I was 25 now or something, it was happening. But I definitely feel that for me, I'm like, bring it on. You know, if nothing else, then I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm so deeply tired by the white guy narrative. You know, it just mm-hmm. seems to me that there is, you know, just as a completely selfish, narcissistic asshole, there's part of me that's like, yeah, I'm just, I'm just bored with this storyline. Can't we tell some other storyline? Don't, don't we remember? Like, I remember, like, I think there's something about, you know, fiction that you read as a kid is an amazing thing because sort of it's, it's, um, all you have to do is have an adult protagonist and you're kind of like, oh, this gives me a deep insight into something I don't know anything about. You know what I mean? Like, it yes. doesn't matter. That it's is like, that what it's like? Is that is that what adult life was like? This, you know, that you're like this beset upon, like, rogue cop and your captain always calls you into the office and yells at you because you can't follow the rules. But, you know, you you know in your heart you can't follow the rules. Is, is you that... must have so fucking disappointed. <laughs> Graham, I th- I feel that that's a credo that I've lived by every day of my life since. Uh, yeah, no, I, you know, I mean, it's it's funny, but I, it's goofy. But I do think there is a little bit of that idea of like, oh yeah, you know, what is it like when you're going to be older and an adult, and then you're like older and an adult, and you know, and I do have to remember, like, now that I'm, you know, Jesus Christ, within you know, strangling distance of fifty. The, the idea that you know all these all these narratives you know are still there's there's you know a huge generation of 15 year old kids white kids who have not been exposed to that narrative you know maybe um or or for whom it's su- still super relevant but part of me is like yeah but you know what would be great would be if you also got the other narratives in there so that you can really have some you know experience you know some actual experience of how other people live and what their lives are like and the exciting part of fiction you know without it being some you know crazy awful 
otherized version that gets, mm-hmm. you know, um, kind of packed like a, like a, 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 you know, an appetizer into the main course of, of white guy narrative, you know? I so want to go from that and be like, so Flash Gordon. <laughs> yes, right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I'll go somewhere else instead. Um, Lawless, the, the strip in the Judge Dredd magazine. Mm, mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. I've talked to you about off the podcast, but I don't think I've talked about on the podcast. I thought you it's, had it for some reason. Had yeah. It's Phil Winslade and Dan Abnett mm-hmm. doing, uh, I can't even remember the, the character's name. God damn it. Uh, a female judge is, yes, becomes the marshal on an alien planet, on a, on a human colony on an alien planet. Mm-hmm. And it is essentially taking the dread mythos and being weirdly f- almost parodic about it mm-hmm. uh and i just really i thought it was really charming i really really liked it mm-hmm. uh it's just finished its first run mm. i believe it's coming back in 2015 mm-hmm. um but i really really liked it and also uh phil winslade's art in it is gorgeous mm. is is it, it's black and white mm-hmm. uh and his line work is just amazing it, it's such a beautiful strip it, it was in like the last six issues of the, the magazine. Yeah. You know what's amazing is how far – like seriously, I'm so in the weeds with my digital subscriptions. It's kind of interesting. Like, Oh, jump ahead to 2008 <laughs> Proc 2015. It, well, first of all, it's all like first episodes or one-offs. Yeah. But it's I, I a keep really fucking my way strong – it. it's, it's, Jeff, it's, it's tough, a man. great – 2015 is a great uh, issue. Really, really, really strong. Probably the strongest of the year. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, 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 you get John Wagner Dread mm-hmm. and, oh no, I was going to say and Al Ewing, but that's not true. You get Mike Carroll Dread and then in the magazine this month you get Al Ewing Dread. Oh really? Holy fuck. Yeah. I can't wait for that. Has that popped up yet? That, that comes out like in a few days officially, right? Uh, maybe. I, I, all usually I know comes it, out after the 15th. Hang on. So. I, I can tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, you get the, the magazine, emails? the magazine comes out in the 17th. Yeah. Yeah. It's usually the Wednesday after yeah. whatever the Wednesday closest to the 15th is. Well, I did want to say that I actually thought that this has been a, as you and I both have mentioned earlier, it's been an, an astonishingly strong year for Judge Dredd in 2000 AD this mm-hmm. year, I think yeah. with Mega City Confidential, Shooters Night, and I think Titan fell this year as well too so i, I want to say titan might have been last year really i mm, okay All right. I'll, I'll check maybe it I'll, started on one, one of, and finished on the other one of the reasons that uh one of the most thrilling things about proc 2015 mm-hmm. is the one page teaser for the titan sequel mm-hmm. where i was just like really <laughs> I, I really was incredibly excited about that because titan was one of one of the best mm-hmm. uh, dread stories in a long time mm-hmm mm-hmm uh, it looks like Titan did finish this month. This year, rather. Yeah, it looks yeah. like it was the very start of this year. Okay. That's why I was saying it. Because I was kind of scrolling through the 2000 AD issues that I had read. Because I was like, I know there's been some exceptional stuff in here. Yeah, um, Dreads had a very good year. 2080s had a... Uh, it's had a very 2000 AD year, I guess. When when there's periods where it's just great. And periods where you're like, I guess I'm still reading this. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. There was a point last year where it was one of those situations where the number of progs I was into was like three out of the four. And I think there's been a lot this year where the count is, and particularly when I start to get bogged down, it's like, it's two, 
Sometimes. Oh yeah, it's it's really easy to mm-hmm. to fall behind if you're not into at least half the strips. Yeah, exactly. And so but every time I start to build up, I know this is you're like this is why you just take no. those pages and you. Like, I know. I was going to say this is one of the reasons why I think you might like 2015 because mm-hmm. you oh you get two Pat Mill strips mm-hmm. in it, which is unusual. And I know you like Pat Mills. Well, see, this uh, is it. I like some of Pat Mills. That's the thing. I've been drowning in you know Pat Mills Slanye strips this year, and that's just been like, ah. Oh. <laughs> uh, his, his 2015 stuff is Savage and The Visible Man. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, so, so the rundown for 2015 is uh, the first part of Dark Justice, which is the Dark Judges story uh, that Wagner wrote two years ago and Greg Staples has spent all the time painting. Um, Savage, The Order, which is a new series. Ulysses Sweet, which I don't think anyone really wanted to see return. Uh, Max Normal, which is a Dread Universe strip and is hilariously meta. It, it's really, really funny. Oh, yeah. uh, a, a one-off Jaeger strip, and Jaeger is one of my favorite new 2008 strips. Mm-hmm. It's the, the Rogue Trooper spinoff. Um, the Visible Man, a low-life Christmas special. And then a Judge Dread Christmas special. Hmm. Interesting. So yeah, it, it's a nice, really nice issue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That does... Uh... It sounds strong. Sounds strong. Yeah. It wasn't. It's, it's ironic that I was like, "Yes, we're like talking about the other as opposed to white guy narratives." And you're like, "Oh yeah, yeah." yeah, yeah. We go from Flash Gordon to, uh, you know, I bring up like Judge Dredd. I'm like, "Yes, the adventures yeah, white, of an aging crypto fascist." <laughs> well, I, I think that has perfect relevance. Oh, uh, for okay, oh, so from that to Wild's End is on my list. Oh yeah, Wild's End was actually on my list too. Yeah. Uh, which is Dan Abnett and INJ Coolbart doing It's the Wind in the Willows meets War of the Worlds. I think yeah. that's the official tagline, right? Yeah, that is but, uh, it should but, be. Mm-hmm. But it actually lives up to that. Yeah. It and it again, Coolbart has been one of the artists of the year for me between this and Brass Sun. Brass Sun is it, his special. stuff is mm-hmm. I'm saying it's his. I have no idea if it's a it's a man or a woman. Um but the art is so clean and so precise mm-hmm. that it it's the the work is just beautiful. Yeah. Um now, and did you read what, New Dead Guardians or no? I did, and I loved it. Oh, okay. I re- really, really enjoyed New Dead Guardians. Yeah, I thought that was like one of the strongest things that Vertigo's had in a while. And again, part of that is Colbert's art is just phenomenal. In it. Yeah, I really, really like. And mm-hmm. so Wild's End was is really up there. And I'm hoping they stick the landing because I feel we've just got a couple more issues to go maybe. But I'm yeah. hoping they, they really stick the landing. Yeah. Um, Okay, from the, from the sublime to the ridiculous, Transformers versus GI Joe. Absolutely, yeah, that that's on the the top of the list for me in terms of the like. There's a lot of the and eh, like strong, and then there's the stuff that's like clearly like, oh my god, this absolutely just blows my brain right out of the back of my ears every time, every with every new issue. That is certainly Transformers versus GI Joe. It is it is an amazing, an amazing book. Wow. So much, so much better than it has any right to be. Oh yeah, a- any right to be. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's wonderful, and it feels it's gone to the point. And I think this was true for me in the second or third issue. It's got to the point where you didn't have to like either franchise to recognize how good a book it was. Mm-hmm. Where yeah. it became just formally so interesting. Well, that's it. I mean, if nothing to me, Transformers versus GI Joe is one of those books that is astounding because it 
rapidly i mean it started as like a oh my god this is a, a like a crazy take on a licensed a set of licensed properties um mm-hmm. and rapidly just moves into kind of um it, 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 I think that, I think that Seoli and Barbara are doing an amazing job sort of anchoring the story to these licensed properties. Like, I don't think that it would really, I, I think it would just seem almost, um, uh, uh, it, 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 it would be so abstract and brilliant, but disconnected. It like almost wouldn't connect with me. You know yeah, what I no, mean? I, I, that's really interesting because you don't really have much of a connection to either franchise, do you? Uh, I don't, I don't. And, and, but, but I, but I weirdly have enough of one. And actually there are times when, when the issues feel kind of strangely super light, I suppose, uh, not light, but like in terms of I remember with issue three being like having my brains just like leak out of the back of my ears, but at the same time feeling like the story, the storiness of it seemed light, but I felt that that was because I didn't know the characters and I didn't know the franchise. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of what I'm going on is that idea of like if you're plugged into these characters – there's just so many. Oh my god, the the drug trip in issue four. I mean, Jesus, I, right? I told you. God. Oh my god. I mean, who the fuck saw that coming? <laughs> who saw that coming in a Transformers versus GI Joe comic? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is that is stunning. That is just. Oh my god. I think actually, um, Transformers versus GI Joe, and in another. Um, weird way uh afterlife with archie are these amazing uh, i don't know how to describe it like it it's not quite a reinvention of the franchise you know because it very clearly both of those projects build very specifically off of your knowledge of the franchise mm-hmm. but and then well, use well, it to they, sort they do of it's on i would argue that afterlife and archie doesn't really Beyond like the first issue, we were like, "It's Archie." I think after that, it works as well as otherwise. I Maybe guess not as well as otherwise, yeah, it works perfectly that. well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As if you do not know the characters at all. I don't know. You know, maybe you're right on that. I I think that definitely some of the stuff with like. G- g- because have you re- have you read issue seven? Is that the issue I have that just come actually out this have, week? That's this week, so it's it's in the pile, but I haven't seen it. It you should check that out because that's actually the issue where for me, I, well, first off, I feel like Aguirre Sacasa does a great job at dragging in a lot of the other tertiary characters of the of the Archie universe, especially the stuff going on with like whatever Cherry Blossom or whatever that people are like, what the hell? I think if I knew those characters better, I would be really kind of What the hell? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but issue seven was interesting for me because it really is the um fascinatingly enough, because of the long um period of time between issues, I have a certain amount of distance from afterlife. So digging back into it and also it's kind of the start of the new arc, you know, the team has gotten to a point where they, with all the previous issues that they've come before it have really kind of earned their walking dead take on, 
on the book. And yet what's amazing is because I haven't read it for a while and just picking it up, this issue in particular, which has them like fighting zombies and running off into the woods and talking about how they're going to survive and like characters having like secret alliances and rendezvous and things. It's, it's, I'm able to take a step back and be like, oh my God, this is in a way the world's most hilarious parody of The Walking Dead. You know what I mean? Because it's the Archie characters. But there's a weird, but it's not, but it is, you know, it, and I feel yeah. that's the case with Transformers versus G.I. Joe is like, if you just sort of give into the narrative and go along with it, it's absorbing enough that you can get swept away. But if you just take half a step backward and God help you transformers versus GI Joe will usually will make that take that step for you. You realize what you're looking at is genuinely insane. It's like a genuinely brilliantly insane. Um, I, I don't know how to describe it. It's like, it, it's kind of brilliant fan product. That's being, you know, professionally produced, you know, it is yeah. its own, uh, what, what's the market called in Japan? The Dushin, Dushinshi? I'm, I don't know. I totally I, don't know. I like, I did like that you made it sound like douche. So. I did. That, that douche <laughs> market? You know. Exactly. It's the market for douches? Yeah, the, yeah, the, we know that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sorry guys. Quickly back, quickly backing out of that then. Uh, okay, <laughs> let's go through some ones that I think I won't talk about that much and you won't agree with so we can just move through them quickly. Wicked and Divine is in there for me. Yeah, yeah, I, I knew, I, I know. Um, ah, that's very good. But I feel like you should. You, that that book is still working for you and grown for that you, but, right? That, but yeah, it, I, I think I said this on the podcast. Around about issue three, I was like, uh, maybe mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. And then the most recent issue, which I think is issue five. Uh, I mean, it's been out for a month, two months now. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel I can talk about the spoiler. They kill off the main character, mm-hmm. uh, and. And in such a blunt way mm-hmm. that I was just like, oh, I'm I'm completely on board. Which uh, which character the the Lucy, the ah. kill off, uh, and and in doing so, go it, she was never the main character. It was always the sidekick. Ah, great! It was well, always about the sidekick, right. and that that was in retrospect unsurprising because you go back through it and you're like, of course she's the main character. Like she's been the point of view character through the entire series. Mm-hmm. Um. But enough of a surprise and enough of a swerve mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that I was like, I am on board wherever you're going. Hmm. I am, I am there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I, it just, it simultaneously felt daring and completely correct mm-hmm. in a way that I, I just, I, I felt like I was in safe hands. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I, I really, really, really appreciated that quote unquote twist. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that, that definitely, and I, I, even, even when I was like, I'm not sure this is for me, it always felt of a quality, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so the combination of the two, I, I, yeah, I think it's definitely one of the best books of the year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Ms. Marvel is also on my list. Ms. Marvel is also on my list, although it's one of those things where I think I only have two or three issues. I, thanks to the miracle of, of Marvel Unlimited, I've got a I've got an, a number of issues that I'm like, oh yeah, this is this would be on my best of list at 
Even if I I'm could like remember, I, I bought it. <laughs> yeah, well, I haven't uh, since I didn't buy it. Like, I'm like, and I'm eagerly waiting on issue four, which came out six months ago, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So. Um, it, for me, Ms. Marvel is works when it is the original writer and artist. Yeah. Like, Willow's been there for the entire time and it's done a great job. But when Adrian Alphona went and disappeared for two issues, mm-hmm. it didn't oh, you feel were as saying, good. Like, it did not feel as it, good. It, yeah. it, it did not work. Um, but then as soon as he was back, I was like, oh, this is it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so it's clearly a very particular al- alchemy that works for me. But when it's on, it's really on. Well, and and for me, it's definitely – I was kind of hoping that when I was talking about being tired of the white guy narratives uh, uh, that you would like – this is where you would jump us to. Because I definitely feel that Ms. Marvel is – it's just such a strong book. It is just it's it's an enjoyable read, but it well, really does have that kind of you know that that same sort of feeling that I I I got from my comics that I loved of like oh this is how this is other lives and other people and I, I the, these people are interesting and I can care about them and I can be and, and emotionally what's invested in them. Fascinating to me is Ms. Marvel is also Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. very clearly, mm-hmm. it it is it is very clearly the Spider Man formula. Yeah, and so seeing Willow just tweak it enough, mm-hmm. I I think there's I really do think there's a, a skill to the it is familiar enough that you accept it mm-hmm. and unfamiliar enough that you're surprised by it. Yes, I think it's a very very fine line to do that properly. Yeah, and I think that Miss Marvel does it exceptionally well. Mm-hmm. You, it, it feels like a Marvel book. Oh, absolutely. And yet in many ways, it, it is almost a refutation of a Marvel book. And so you, yeah, I, I think that that balance is really good. And, and I'm really, I'm really happy that this has happened for Willow, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like I, I've been following her since Cairo. Oh, I know you're you were a huge fan for a long time, and so oh, air of as of the unseen. Mm-hmm. Of, yeah, mm-hmm. it, you know, of uh, what was it? What was the the Christian book called? Uh, I want to say it's called Mystic, wasn't it? It was called Mystic, yeah. which is amazing, and I yeah. can't believe they've not reissued it mm-hmm. now that Miss Marvel's big. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's she's she's always done good work. She's. Mm-hmm. Always done good work. And there she I, is at the uh, Marvel Writers Retreat, which is which is great, right? right. Mm-hmm. It feels like Marvel are like, oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. We actually have a hit here. Yeah, we we have we have actually done something unusual, and mm-hmm. we should recognize it. And I'm just so happy that she's been recognized for it. Yeah, isn't that it? That is just stunning. I got to say that is such a good sign in a in a way that. Um, really does it it gives me it gives me hope interestingly enough it on the list of like books that i don't think are great but the like i'm so glad are around the new batgirl is a book that uh for a lot of reasons is like it's 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 not i feel like every issue i'm like i haven't i didn't read this this week's issue oh oh that's that's a shame because i would have loved to have had a conversation with you about this week's issue oh how so um, this gets back to what I was saying about fandoms that I hate what they're fans of. Mm-hmm. Um, and very specifically Doctor Who fandom. Doctor mm-hmm. Who fandom is full of people who uh, will jump on any perceived slight to any perceived community as mm-hmm. proof that Doctor Who is evil. 
And my first thought while reading, uh, and I can't explain it without ruining the story for you, but there is one point in the story where it's just like, if this was done in Doctor Who, whoever wrote the, the story would be crucified. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a very, there's a reveal towards the end of the book, mm-hmm. which is, I, I, we'll have to talk about it when you've read it. Okay. Cause I can't go, I can't go any further into it. Right. Without spoiling it. I don't want to spoil it. Right. Because it is simultaneously uh, surprising mm-hmm. and problematic. Right. Well, and that is, to me, that sums up the new Batgirl. Honestly, all three issues. I, I know that you had to put up with me uh, mewling about the first issue and uh, with exactly that <laughs> that sort of um, criticism slash, I guess, praise. I'm glad the book's out there. I'm glad that it, it just it feels like something different. And yeah, I'm, gl- I'm glad it's a hit because it really does feel like something that DC have needed. Oh, desperately. In fact, one of the things that I think is interesting, I think one of my New Year's goals uh, for myself for – 2015 is to try and delve into like try and give more DC books a chance that are not Batman <laughs> you know <laughs> because everything that I have well, read and there's stuff that I like comes out of but the, here's Batman the problem office arguably the most interesting books at DC right now are Batman mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. and I'm not Batman mm-hmm. uh, like Batgirl is a Gotham Academy mm-hmm. Um. I'm trying to think what other books are particularly like Catwoman is a very interesting book right now. Hmm. It is not a successful book, mm-hmm. but it's so close. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's one of those, like in, if you get six months, you might sort this shit out. Mm-hmm. Like you, there's, there's small kinks that you could work out right. and you're, you're so close to being good. Right. Um, even Arkham Manor is, oh. has, has something to it that they could potentially get to. I'm throwing rocks at you now, Graham. <laughs> I, I I think I think there's something to Arkham Manor. No, I, I, I know. I read the first I, issue I think, and I was I like, think the second issue. Well, I was mm-hmm. going to say I think the second issue is far worse than the first. Mm, interesting, because the first so, one was kind of like it's right on the edge of being something that I could find tenable, but at the same time, it was just I failed my saving throw, uh, or, or no, I made my saving throw against uh, disbelief. I was like, nah, nope. Don't buy it, you know, which is which is a shame because I think there's talent there. The Batman titles are interesting because I honestly I think I, as you know I I dig picking up Batman and Robin every month to see what Patrick Gleason's doing and Tomasi's stories can be hit or miss. Ditto with uh, what Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo are doing. I don't know. Man, I mean, I really when I saw the news that Mark Silvestri was doing a Batman comic. That is it, right? I did go. I didn't go hysterically blind. It's not somebody like even worse, right? But, well, no, no, it's it's, it's Mark Sylvester. But let's face it, it's Mark Sylvester for the first issue, and then it's Top Coast Studios for the rest of the issues. Oh yeah, I, the great thing. I'm like, as long as it's him on his own, like Batman the Befouled by you know Mark oh, Sylvester. It's I'm going blind. to be it's going to be his own series. He's yeah. not going to take over from Capullo. Marvel, like DC, is not that dumb, and DC is. Pretty dumb. But they're not, dumb and desperate. They're not, not that, that dumb, dumb and desperate to take Capullo yeah. off. Yeah. But, well, I mean, like, even if it's Snyder, it'll be Snyder doing a side series. Yeah. Well, I think. Yeah. Exactly. It'll be Snyder. Yeah, but, it'll be like the series. Dark Knight Three rumor. Right. Oh man, the Dark. Knight oh God, what if Sylvester's doing Dark Knight Three? 
uh, it's possible. They were talking about having various talent lined up for that. That's that's an interesting thing, wasn't it? Oh my god. Oh, it's to... a it's a it sounds like a nightmare to me. I it just sounds. I I see no upside. It's not true. I see exactly the same upside as I do for before Watchmen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Oh, it's... I I honestly well, see. For me, it's much more this idea of when Frank Miller hit the rounds for Sin City three. Um, I I think I said something on Twitter that nobody really. Like most of my tweets, everyone ignored, which was something along the lines of like, holy shit, I think Frank Miller has some serious bout of cancer. Maybe everyone was oh, no, ignoring no, I, I, it Everyone because... agreed with you, Jeff. Oh, oh well. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's a, by which I mean, that's been the rumor. Oh, okay. Or, no, not necessarily cancer, but that uh, Frank Miller is very sick. He's very sick because he looked like I was like, oh, that looks like heavy at heavy duty chemotherapy to me. Like, and it, it was like you know we were all like, oh, ha, 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 Freddy Krueger. I'm like, we no no no. He's incredibly yeah. sick, and yeah. it's tough because on the one hand, I, if there's ever a guy who <laughs> who a totally bragged about smoking cigarettes in the '90s. B, got ridiculous amounts of money from all sorts of people. Um, I'm There's part of me that's still like, yeah, you know what? If if there's like a last big truckload of cash to, to help out Frank Miller, that's better than before Watchmen for me. You know what I mean? Like that's well, see, just I, kind of my way. While I kind of agree, mm-hmm. uh, part of me is also like, I've read Holy Terror. Right. I've, I've seen what Frank Miller has said in the last 10 years. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. No, and that's the and, other and, thing. And no, on a, on a humanitarian line, yeah. sure, I yeah. don't want Frank Miller to be sick and I don't want him to be in pain and I don't want him to be penniless and sick and in pain. Right. However, I also will not be supporting that man with any of my dollars. No, totally. I know. It is problematic because look at someone like – look at Bill Messner Lobes. You know what I mean? Who – that guy has done amazing work, has struggled with illness and poverty and and a, a million times and, and hasn't seen a tenth of the income that, that Frank Miller has seen in, in Miller's career. You know, it's a very I ha, and and as you put it, Miller himself is uh, has been um, uh, intolerant. You know what I mean? Has been intolerance <laughs> yes. in a way. Intolerance is a way of putting it. Yeah, in a, in a in a way that is that has a certain line of ungraciousness to it, and a, a lack of generosity, and therefore the idea that we would then be moving to be generous toward him is something that I find kind of I don't know. It's problematic for me. I I, I mean, yeah, and no, it, I, I totally get it. I mm-hmm. just. I've never been a Frank Miller fan. There, you know, I there are things about his work that I like, but I, I would never have called myself a fan of his, even mm. during his good stuff. Wow, wow. I'm I'm sorry. No, it's totally I, fine. I, you know, it's it reminds me of the um, you had an entry on the on the Wait What podcast Tumblr, uh, which people you should check out because now that it's December and Christmas time, Graham is 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 in I, his element. I, I, I'm completely failing to do my advent calendar by forgetting to do it or being too busy to do it for a couple of days. Oh no! Really? Um, oh my yeah, god! Really yeah, I'm gonna have to go back and like just I, suddenly you get like a lot of fucking Santa Claus meets Shazam things, right? Um, but but the the 
DC Christmas treasury that you had that was like, this came the year after my birth. It was, you know, or the year of my birth. I'm like, fuck, I had that. I bought that. I bought that when it came out. You and I are kind of different ages. And so there is that where <laughs> we, we are indeed different ages. Dad. I know. It's still, we're, I think we're, sometimes, Graham, I have to tell you that I even think we're different people. I, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Oh my god, can you imagine if this podcast was just one guy? Oh, that would be great. Suddenly my voice starts to slip, or your voice starts to slip. That would be that would be the best trolling ever. Like, that, would be best, that would be the best Christmas gift we could give. Exactly, away. the gift of insanity. It's one person. <laughs> one person. How did he manage to kind of interrupt himself? Because he interrupted himself a lot. Oh, it's amazing. He would write the scripts in advance, but they sounded completely chaotic. Well, that's because he was insane. If you think about <laughs> it, it all makes sense. So, um, God, talk about going off point. Um, we talking about Frank Miller, and you were going to say something about his Christmas story. Oh, Once no, no yes. Dead or alive. Oh, my God. You were such a big dick. That is hilarious. <laughs> oh I genuinely thought that's where you were going. You made the comment about no, that's right. the Christmas thing. No, 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 no. The Christmas story was just more the idea of, like, when you were born, Graham, I was buying comics. I was I was enough of a nut that I was buying an overpriced hand, this bunch of secondhand Christmas cod swallop like that. Um, and so for me, I think there is that weird kind of like, there's ways in which we're so simpatico, but there really is that idea of like when Frank Miller or Alan Moore were hitting, neither of whom you really have a lot of affection for. I'm like, Oh Oh, my God, no, but just too late for both of them. Just too late for both of them. Yeah. 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 And 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 I I remember buying Watchmen in the trade paperback, Mm -hmm. like the first edition of that. So, I mean, I'm literally... Just too late for it. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Whereas, whereas I was like, I remember getting those issues and getting Dark Knight Returns, but Jesus Christ, reading Daredevil. In fact, someone, God, who was I talking to? I think it was when I was having lunch with uh, Dan Turner, actually. He he mentioned, he talked about uh, the roulette issue of Daredevil, you know, and coming across that uh, and just being kind of blown away. And I think he was in college. I had written my high school term paper on it. You know, that's the kind of goof I was. So there is that weird way where Miller's like, you know, you still, he's your Grant Morrison. I, I don't know, I guess. I mean, in the same way that like Grant Morrison will produce amazing amounts of shit or self-indulgent crap. Part of me is always like, but, but you know, he, he did these, you know, he did these comics. Well, uh, I do I think, I, I do, th- I, if I can overstep on your toes there, I do think that there are people for whom, you know, my Watchmen is your Invisibles and vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I think, I think that, I think that maps out pretty well. I'm not really sure where Miller falls on the spectrum of it. It's, he's, to me, he's, uh, personally incredible. Incredibly, incredibly problematic over these last couple of years, but he is also like the. It's impossible for, to me. It's that thing of like the superhero industry. It literally is was changed by him. You know what I mean? Like, and not in that like Stanley. I oversaw a line of comics, and it became. <laughs> You know what I mean? Or even, I, no, I don't no, even mean no, it no, in that exactly. way. You he, know? he actually did something. 
he, he right. Yeah. He actually did something. <laughs> I just I just mean that that that, that um, you look at in terms of like Steranko and Miller are both these dudes for whom the amount of impact that they've had, considering the amount of actual output that they had, well, I, comparison, yeah, I, you know? I think that's definitely the case in Steranko. Mm-hmm. I, I think oh, yeah. Miller's legitimately done a, a body of work. Uh, oh, I think he has. I think he's well, done a oh, body whereas, of work. You know, Steranko, uh, Steranko's definitely done some stuff, but right. his his impact and his... Uh, self-perceived impact, definitely. <laughs> you know, you know well, Steranko's idea of his impact on the comics industry is approaching Steve Englehart levels. <laughs> I don't know. I, I guess I kind of see that, although part of me is like, dude, I don't know. Because, again, when you look... <laughs> You're like, nobody's approaching Steve Englehart levels. Well, there's that. But there's also there's also a way in which I'm sort of... Uh, Maybe it's maybe it's because with uh, visual artists, it's just easier for me to see. Uh, but I feel like the number of Steranko splash pages and covers that have been tributed enough, you know, um, are such that, uh, I, like, I think I just think that he's correct. Like, even though, he, like, the amount of stuff you—if you took everything that was like, okay, this is directly influenced by Starenko, this is something that is a direct tribute to a page or an image of his. Like, the the number of those tributes or swipes or everything outnumbers the work like eight to one, you know, at least. Um, so for me, it's just very much like. When I look at someone like uh, Starlin, who you know I think also had other forms of influence, there's there's multi-page, the multi-panel um, things of like uh, Warlock rushing to crush the gem as time counts down, and the big skull growing in someone's eye or whatever. That's you know incredibly influential on its own, and that wouldn't have existed without Steranko. Like you look at all of Galassi's work, and there are dudes who've grown up like imitating Galassi, not realizing how heavy he was pulling from Steranko. Like I, I, I see. Like on the one hand, I see your point, but is like I love Engelhart, like as we both do, like you know imprudently, and yet I think that his claims of having completely reinvented the the comic book landscape and everyone biting from are absurd. Um, <laughs> I do not as you should. Yes, exactly. I do not necessarily think that that is the case with Steranko, that Steranko did stuff in a way that just minutely changed the way that people look at this stuff, like almost to the, to the point where it's like, Oh, you don't, you know, it's, you know, you're like, on the one hand, you're like, eh, it's just citizen Kane, you know, but it's really only one movie, but I don't know. I just, oh <laughs> Stranko would be happy with that comparison. I'm sure. So yeah. did you see the, um, the Twitter jokes today? Is it someone, not even a joke. Someone, uh, screen capped a one star review of citizen Kane from Amazon. No, I missed it. And the entire review was, I don't get it. New line, what's funny about this film? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was so funny. 
Oh, that's oh, the man. best. Oh, my God. That uh, would be hilarious. I wonder what the hell they thought they were reading. Yeah, um, exactly. Who, who knows? Okay, uh, getting back to my list. Because we still have yes. to talk about Avengers, which we're not going to get to do this week. Oh, yeah, we are. We are. We're gonna we've, have, we've, got we're gonna... it. We've, we have, we've only been on here for we've still got an hour and a quarter. minutes left. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. this. yeah, but this is my list. You still haven't gone through your list. I'm oh, going to yeah. do my list super quickly. Okay, do we'll, your list. We'll, Don't we'll do it quickly. What I'll do is I'll stop jumping in. Just Okay. Uh, Flash Gordon, which I did say earlier, but I, yes. Flash Gordon is, I genuinely like the feel good book of the year for me. Mm-hmm. I think Flash Gordon is funny. I think it's beautifully illustrated. Okay. Uh, Evan Shaner and Jordi Belair's stuff on it is just amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it, it really fit. I think Parker's sense of whimsy yes. really works on the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, and I, exactly. I think it's a perfect fit of, of well, all, of all creative team, but mm-hmm. specifically mm-hmm. of Parker. I think Parker, it it works in that book in a way that he doesn't on other books. Yes, I, I think Flash Garden is really good. Um, Zero, the the mm-hmm. Ali Scott mm-hmm. uh, series continues to be the most visually interesting book in the mainstream. Mm-hmm. Uh, it continues to have an ambition beyond almost everything else in the mainstream. Uh, individual issues are alternately, you know, beautiful, confusing, <laughs> upsetting. Uh, and it works really well for me as something that I can read in a single issue, but then when I read them in a batch, I gain a whole new appreciation from. I, I just think it's it's doing something. It's not doing something that no one has ever done before, but mm-hmm. it's doing something that no one is doing anymore mm-hmm. uh, and is doing it really well. And so I, I, I appreciate not only the book, but its ambition a lot. Um, Saga mm-hmm. just is, is just still very good. Mm-hmm. Saga... Even when I was unconvinced by the the uh, the plot about the couple breaking up, it's just continually been good. It's just continually been a completely solid. Sounds like a a bad way of saying it, but it it's just it's never let me down. Mm-hmm. Um, and along similar lines, the Private Eye it, it, it has been a great book this year, mm-hmm. uh, and it's something that I completely drop in and out of, mm-hmm. uh, in part because it comes out very intermittently but also i will just forget to buy issues and then i'll be like oh apparently i've missed three and then i I can read them all together but it's again really good this is if we didn't have the avengers talk looming over us this is actually the the thing that i wanted to talk about as the potential snake in the garden which is that there's so many strong books this year i think this is just an amazing year for going to the store and picking up comics or in the case of private eye like going online and getting your comics with the the exception of scheduling um and i and i i think that that is is something that that maybe we can talk about on on the next podcast cuz i don't i don't want to throw throw off your rhythm, but it's one of those things where there were the number of books where I was like, oh yeah, that was great. Like I had an experience like three times today in reading my comics where I was like, oh shit, did I miss the previous issue? And, and in one case it was just that it had been so long since the previous issue had come out that I'd forgotten it. So. Oh, that that reminds me before we start recording, I saw a new story. Uh, Graham, Graham, are you there? You sort of totally disappeared. Jeff? Graham, there you hey, are. Hey, we had a power cut. Okay, okay. 
That makes sense. And I did I when did you lose me? Because I was talking for a while. Yeah, uh shit. Uh give me a second. I was so I, also I should warn you, we're also having a crazy storm down here, so it wouldn't surprise me if hopefully That's this won't happen. Hilarious. Oh, um, hello hello listeners. Yes, we're back everybody. Uh shit shit shit. Okay, I I was so frazzled. What the hell were you talking about? Uh, I can't even remember anymore. <laughs> no, come on. We can saga. We were talking about saga. Oh, oh, yeah, we're yeah, talking, yeah. No, saga. we're talking about scheduling. Scheduling, we yeah. Scheduling. scheduling is the snake in the garden. And then you said, you said, oh, it's so funny that you mentioned that there was a... Oh, oh okay. Different. There was a story uh, on the internet. So I just before we started recording about non-player two being finished. Oh, yeah. And non-player, as it started, non-player one was first came out in April 2011. Wow. And I was like, this is hilarious. Yeah. Because it's not even that non-player two is coming out; it's non-player two has been finished. Yes, yeah, right, right. Yeah, man. Yeah, scheduling is is we we should talk about scheduling in the future. Yeah, yeah we really I, I think I think that's kind of an important an important deal in our brave new frontier. So, uh, yes. Uh, okay, so private eye and saga, mm-hmm. uh, private saga and zero and flash garden. Yeah. Um, Amelia Cole. Mm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Emilio, I have uh, I have a lot of fondness for, and I, this sort of gets back to what I was saying about lumberjanes in many ways. Like I, I'm, I'm maybe I have a fondness for YA fiction, and I didn't realize it. Mm-hmm. But Emilio feels very much like a comic that is not for me, mm-hmm. uh, but one I find entirely enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, and and again, it's it's something that I was reading the third collection the other day, um, and. For some reason, it took me until reading it in print, because I've been reading it digitally as well. Mm-hmm. It took me until reading it in print uh, to realize how different the book is now from the way it was when it started, which is only like 18 months ago or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that there has been an evolution, not only in terms of story direction, mm-hmm. but in terms of the way they're telling the story mm-hmm. that has that I really appreciated when I realized that it happened, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It's not like I would have been like, I they're telling it. What are they doing? But like Nick Brokenshire's work looks very different now mm. from the way it did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and reading it, and it, again, it took me until reading it in print to see this. I was like, oh, he's Francesco Francavia's in here now. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm getting a lot of his work. Wow. Whereas before I would have been like, oh, he's totally, I can't remember the guy I was going to compare him to. The guy who drew a lot of uh, Jason Aaron's Wolverine and the X-Men. Oh. Nick, Brad- Nick Bradshaw. Nick Bradshaw. I, I always saw a lot of Nick Bradshaw in his work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now I'm like, oh, I, but now I'm seeing more Fran- Francesco Francavilla. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I just, it, it continues to be a story. Again, this is, comes down to maybe like favorite comics versus best comics, mm-hmm. but it continues to be a series that I'm just, yes. And, and I, I'm consistently surprised that more people aren't talking about it mm-hmm. or that, that's not true. I'm consistently surprised that the internet has not discovered it in the same way that it discovered other series that are aimed at similar audiences. Right. Right. I feel that the internet is is very good at embracing outreach mm-hmm. in such a way that it surprises me that they've not embraced Amelia Cole. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because Amelia Cole seems so perfectly suited for a similar type of program. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and along similar lines, I'm very surprised, and I realized this this week, that Nate Cosby has not stolen the creative team to do something for Dynamite. Mm-hmm. I was reading his Flash Garden thing, mm-hmm. uh, his Fla- the Flash Garden holiday special, which comes out next week. Mm-hmm. And again, it's like three writers I've never heard of. And I was like, why is he not stolen 
like Adam Nave and, and DJ Kirkbright mm-hmm. yet. I, I, there really was a, that seems like an oversight. Mm-hmm. Not just because I like the work, but as in like, they seem perfectly suited for that sort of material. It seems really weird that he's not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I actually will second that because, um, I think that, uh, you know, I, Adam, as uh, longtime listeners know, is like a friend of the podcast, and uh, and I would I would like to figure out a way to sort of highlight some of his work uh, in the coming year, you know, a little bit in the same way that we did with Oily or some of our other giveaways that we've done. One of which is, in fact, coming up this episode. Um, oh, if we get to okay, I'm going to keep going really quickly. Yes. Um... Let's see, multiversity, which I don't think we really need to say much about. That's right. I feel we've talked about multiversity a lot, mm-hmm. but multiversity has definitely been a highlight of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, no Brow Issue 9, It's Also Quiet, I talked mm-hmm. about at the time. You did, yeah. It's a beautiful anthology mm-hmm. uh, of of mostly silent comics, mm-hmm. uh, and it's is, is just gorgeous. It, it, for those who enjoy comics as art pieces, mm-hmm. uh, it's an essential book. Mm-hmm. I, I cannot praise it highly enough. I, I think it's an amazing book that came out this year. Um, also from Nobrow, in a sense, Lost and Found, which is another book I talked about when I got it, mm-hmm. um, is by the the New Yorker cartoonist whose name I'm totally not remembering right now, but you knew his or her work from uh, something else. Yeah, sorry, what was the book? I'm sorry. Uh, it's called In a Sense, Lost and Found. Oh, right. Yeah. We, I, we did talk about this we before. We were it. like, and I know that person. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, Another book that is just visually stunning, like breathtaking, you will have to spend another couple of times looking through the book just to look at the book. Stunning. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, oh, it's Roman Muradov, right? It's Roman Liz, Muradov. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yes, and he, he, yeah, he had actually, he's someone that Lauren discovered, well, discovered, everyone was in the process of discovering Roman uh, at that time, but, and kind of like, is her stories about him were like he was taking classes here at the SF Art Institute or something, and his teacher was like, "Uh, yeah, you're really good," and like, it's you like, know, you don't need to take classes. You kind of like, let me just go ahead and introduce you to the people that I know at the New Yorker and stuff. And so Lauren bagged work from Roman for her Mission Street, well, call, yeah, comic anthology, yeah, which is great. So, um. Okay, last two things. Over Easy, Mimi Pond's book about Berkeley in the seventies. I'm dying to read that. I have it's to say, really good, Jeff. It's really, really good. Um, and last but not least, and uh, probably not last because you'll say things that I'll be like, "Oh yes, um, Southern Bastards." Yeah, I was hoping you would throw that in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Southern Bastards, which I, I think was really, really, really strong, and six when I think it will zag, mm-hmm. uh, and I really appreciate that as a reader. Yeah. Uh, and also, Jason Latour's art is oh god, fucking phenomenal, just gorgeous <laughs> in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think that that is that. It's interesting. It was hard for me to sort of split out my like. This is really good to like. This is best of the year. Southern Bastards. I'm kind of on. The, it was definitely one of those on the fence books that I sort of shoved into that. It's really good. Go pick it up, kind of thing. Okay, so what's your list? Okay. So one thing that I should mention uh, quickly, because I think it is worth mentioning, uh, for people who have not seen my latest post over at waitwhatpodcast.com, I write about the um, – oh, God, am I going to blow his name? The Juro Kuwata's uh, Bot Manga, the collections that DC just came out of the first 19 uh, episodes, I should say, that, that I have been buying weekly 
uh, through DC Digital <laughs> at the cost of about $1.99 a piece. There is a trade paperback that just came out this week or last week uh, collecting the first those first 19 installments for like 14.99. It's a gorgeous looking paperback, you know, it's in the manga right to left fashion. But uh, if you have access to digital goodies, you can buy that collection for 11.99 on Comixology or 9.99 for the Kindle and it is stunning if you love goofy Batman comics. Oh my god, there's a four-part series called The Man Who Quit Being Human that I love just because it's called The Man Who Quit Being Human, you know? <laughs> that, and my second favorite, well, my absolute all-time favorite is Professor Gorilla's Revenge, which I'm just like, they're so, uh, I'm so in love with that series that it, 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 please, because I spent ridiculous amounts of money on this thing that DC is now selling to you incredibly cheaply as an actual physical object and even more cheaply as like an actual collection. But don't buy the individual issues because they're still a buck ninety nine a pop and they will rob you the way they robbed me. The end. Uh, okay, here's a question. Mm -hmm. Are you going to continue to buy the individual issues or are you just going to wait for future collections? See, this is what's killing me, Graham. I wrote that. I wrote the entire installment about it and I'm like – Okay, I kind of have to keep buying the individual issues. And then I'm like, but aren't <laughs> you I a complete idiot if I do? So I currently, and maybe I will break down and, and pivot on this. I currently, because part of me was like, Jeff, just imagine if you hadn't bought these. If you hadn't known these were out, how happy you would be to pick up that first volume. Like, it doesn't matter that you were, you know, reading them five months earlier and talking about it on the podcast. You would get to read them all at a go, and your brain might die of delight. And so I think that's what I'm, I'm going to – they fucking have Volume 2 announced as a pre-release on Amazon. You can, like, fucking pre-order that son of a bitch for $11. It's not even coming out until, like, July of 2015. So currently I have canceled my digital subscription, and I'm planning on reading it in the quote-unquote trades. Um but I feel really weird about that. I feel really Trade weird waiters about are killing it. comics, Jeff. Yeah, no, I know, man. But boy, let me tell you, I felt like a fool. I mean, again, I don't know if you had time to read the column, and it's fine if you don't. I'm sure we're at that stage where we don't even really pretend to like each other anymore, Graham. But, uh, what? <laughs> I haven't read the columns. That's only because I was working for it. I know. I, so I only published it like three hours ago. But I'm still going to be judgy about it. Um, but at, at the end, um, I lost my point because I was busy trying to judge you. Oh, well. Anyway. <laughs> exactly. And that's what you deserve. <laughs> what the fuck was that all about? Come on. <laughs> anyway, I, I, I think that... Um, I think that yeah, it's it's just I, I've I've uh, it it caused me caused me much pain to become one of to become a tr trade waiter, but uh, but in this then oh yeah, I guess my point was those issues like I'm like okay, those first nineteen issues are out and then they're a collection for eleven ninety nine. Drop them to ninety nine cents now. Like, because in theory, the only... That's actually really surprising that they haven't. I know. And part of me is, that, again, it's a very brief paragraph that I don't get to go into un enough. But it's like, 
DC Digital, like, neglected stepchild or scary cash grab? Because to me, it really is, like, you had the very first issue for 99 cents. That's what signed me up. It was a beautiful first issue in that sense because it's, like, 32 pages. And I was like, oh, this is going to be great. And, of course, every issue after that was a buck 99. I'm like, okay, well, digital, and I'm supporting and advocacy, and I get to talk about it months before. But now that those 19 issues are out, I'm like, Make them 99 cents so that you can pick up people who can try them out or people like me who would gift them as issues to other people. But the fact they leave them there is 199 is like either A, nobody's paying attention or B, there's kind of a, well, we'll hoover up a little more money from people who aren't on the ball enough to know that there's a digital collection. And I just think that is either one of those is kind of inexcusable for in different ways and for different reasons, you know? So anyway, the Bot Manga Collection, guys, if you like goofy Batman stories, digital or in print, you can't go wrong unless you did it like me. Uh, Sex Castle by Carl Starks is not yet in print. It was one of it was it was profoundly enjoyable and funny. Um, I'm hoping that there's some way that that it will be out soon. I, I'm not doing this to be a, a show offy dick. I don't, I, I think if it wasn't for people on Twitter, whose opinion I trusted. And so therefore I kicked in for the Kickstarter. I would not have ended up with this digital copy, but I'm so glad that I did. It really was among the best things that I read this year. Um, uh, the Copra collection that's out. I, I, you know, Michelle Fief stuff is fabulous. So he popped up in the best of for the sort of ongoing periodicals, but also for the trades. Similarly, Michael DeForge's Lose Number 6, like, knocked me on my ass this year from Koyama Press, and also his collection, very casual, of uh, other Lose stories that I had missed. He is, um, if you if you like your, uh, if you, I don't know how to describe it, it's got that kind of old-school 90s indie cartoonist thing in that it is almost like kind of like being hit in the head uh with a rock of of misanthropy that is the most beautifully sculpted, gorgeous-looking rock, you know what I mean? It also helps that it, he really is moves into these realms of the dreamlike and the absurd and also sort of exploits that very sort of creepy feeling about nature. So it's kind of, it's sort of like a David Lynch, uh, Jim Woodreen slash Dan Klaus kind of thing. Uh, Dan Klaus, you wouldn't really see him in the style, but I, I just think see more of the misanthropy. Amazingly good stuff. What I'm thinking about misanthropy, I think about Dan Klaus. Oh God, let me tell you all the time, all the time. Um, and Ogloff, book two, as long as we're talking trades, that just came out. The very brilliant and uh, crazed um, weekly sex webcomic slash fantasy epic is now – it now has a second uh, collection out from Tapatico just in time for Christmas – doesn't have as many extended stories as volume one does, although the saga of the fun worm is amazing, but it's just incredibly loopy. I haven't read Terry Pratchett, so I don't really know. Like Pratchett was like, I was kind of reading it being like, oh, maybe this is like what people who like Terry Pratchett dig. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it, what it does is it takes <laughs> fantasy concepts turns them on their, usually turns them to filthy ends, but then 
piles the absurd twists on top of that. So it's it, if you can, I don't know, it's like it's like Douglas Adams meets like a Playboy cartoon. I don't know. I, I'm so glad you said Douglas Adams because I was going to be super bitchy when you said Terry Pratchett and say it's like watered down Douglas Adams, but, <laughs> but for fantasy. <laughs> well, see, and that's it. I think for me, Douglas Adams is I don't know. Douglas Adams is just brilliant to the point where I don't really think of to me Pratchett. I know some people really love Pratchett, but but it's kind of how do I put it? Like I don't know. At, at, there's a lot of people. The people who put together Ogloff are very very knowing about the fantasy things that they are ridiculing, and I'm not as well read. And 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 I feel like that's also part of Pratchett's purview. Douglas Adams was just kind of a genius, you know what I mean? So to me, it's kind of like, well, he kind of transcends genre, even though, you know, he didn't. <laughs> I don't know. Did you ever um, see the Douglas Adams uh, Dirk Gently TV show? I did not. No, 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 no. And in fact, I don't think that I read the Dirk Gently books, I think. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't know why. Um, I think because I started out and I hit a wrong paragraph and I put it down and was like, no, I can't bear the idea of this guy not being good anymore. And then, of course, everyone was like, well, you're stupid. He's brilliant. And I just, I haven't come back yet. So. Why are you calling me stupid? <laughs> Fuck you guys, I'm not reading your book anymore. The end. <laughs> Jeff Lester story. That, yeah, that's pretty much it. Except there's a lot more weeping, sobbing, and I'll show you, and then... This is actually, yeah. you're stupid, not me. <laughs> okay, so, uh, so those are the traits. The periodicals that I thought were truly, like, my, like, these make me happy, I really think they're great, um, I think they're going somewhere, uh, and they hit more often than not. Transformers versus G.I. Joe, which we mentioned. Grayson, which I'm surprised you did not mention oh, in some again. ways. Did not mention because I forgot. Ah, there we go. Scooby-Doo team up. Again, I know that sounds crazy, but I read the most recent issue where they teamed up with the Flintstones, and goddamn if they didn't pull it off. Uh, the Bat Manga I've mentioned. Annihilator, I think, is Morrison doing some amazing stuff. Uh, taken in tandem with Multiversity, it's super great. I was kind of not on the bus as much for the first two issues, but at issue three was when I kind of jumped on the bus. We'll see where that goes. Uh, I already mentioned Judge Dredd stuff. You mentioned Zero. We both mentioned Miss Marvel. I thought Lou Six was great. Flash Gordon was awesome. Saga, Wild's End. Alan Moore's story in God is Dead, the Book of Acts, I thought was fantastic. Um, I thought that was a super strong piece from Moore, uh, in part because it was... It was just exquisitely well done. It was the kind of like six page, eight page story that is not, is not, is not like uh, a lot of what Moore does when he gets a six page, eight page story, which is like, oh, here's my, you know, here's me doing a 2000 AD take on blankety blank. This was actually more, in some ways, this could almost serve as a, an amazing postscript for all of everything that Moore's been trying to talk about about magic um, in a way that was done entertainingly. Kind of obvious, but, eh, you know, not as bad as Thomas Pynchon's Bleeding Edge. So, you know, there's that. Then there's the books that I thought were strong, not fantastic for one reason or another, but books that I was really, like I said, the stuff that got had me excited to be, like, going into the store and stuff. Um, or in the case of a couple of these, booting up the uh, Marvel Unlimited app, such as Mighty Avengers, uh, 
um, Al Ewing's Avengers book is just really good. I've mentioned it once or twice since we've um, yeah. since we've rebooted. I've been you know doing weekly columns and stuff and uh i really dig it i know i know you do too yeah i again another book i completely forgot to mention Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah i thought that was good uh the fuse um i'm i really like that first act i i sometimes feel like i don't know sometimes i feel like anthony johnson just doesn't like he's he's just he's competent but there's just a little splash of brilliance that that doesn't click it's not what the thing that that I recognize as something that's fantastic but that being said I thought the the first arc of the fuse and I'm two issues behind now I've purchased them but haven't read them that first arc which is a procedural mystery aboard a space station is really good sci-fi like it's very straightforward very much what the kind of stuff that they they would have killed for back when dc had the helix line for example and which you know r.i.p and all that all that survived was transmetropolitan um so the fuse sex criminals when it's great it's great when it's meh like this issue uh, that just came out, I was pretty mad on. What did you think, Graham? You seem—I know but you really you did, did but part. you did get the Wicked and the Divine joke. Oh man! Um, I actually like this issue. I like this issue more than I've liked it. Uh, what was the issue where you talked about depression? Uh, wasn't that the previous issue? Wasn't it just last was issue? It? Or no, maybe no, it was issue was six, seven, uh, six, six or seven. Or seven? Yeah. yeah, I think so. so. I was going to say I, I feel mm-hmm. like this is my the, the most I've enjoyed that book since then. Yeah, well, that and uh, that one has been a super high point. Like I felt like the depression oh, issue by, by was far. kind by of like far. one of the best one of the best ish, single issues of the of year. Of the year, yeah, yeah. yeah. I definitely think that. So maybe that's it. But that's what I think of. But this this issue really worked for you. I thought this issue seemed. Um, Really kind of obvious, kind of trite, well, it's, it's, uh, kind of like... I, no, I can, I can totally see that. Um, I'm not sure it... Did it really work for me? I don't know. I really enjoyed it, mm-hmm. but there was nothing in it that surprised me. Yeah. It what, was what, I really liked about, what I really issue. liked about the depression issue was it all surprised me. Yes, exactly. Well, and I think that's it. I think that, and this is probably really unfair, but the... The depression issue is, it, 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 to me, it doesn't matter whether it's, you know, somebody on the creative team has dealt with depression, which, you know, Fraction talks about having done, or he just did the shit out of his research, which I think he also did, but I feel like he just really nailed it. This issue honestly kind of had, at least for me, a certain... Like yeah, fantasy uh, element. I've not not a fantasy element. Kind it, of, it, it, it lacked a certain uh, similitude. It it seemed like the male version of how a woman would end up in porn. Oh, interesting. For me, did you, did you not think that? No, I I did not. I, think I that. it, it seemed very it seemed very much to me like it didn't seem real. It seems amusing. Oh, interesting. But it didn't seem real. Yeah, I. Uh... I thought for me that it was a a lot of it was kind of like my feeling was like yeah I've read the stranger online too you know what I mean like it just really <laughs> wow that that <laughs> damning with oh no the stranger isn't I was going to say damning with uh, 
McSweeney praise, but the stranger isn't McSweeney, is it? No, 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 no. I don't, I, I don't think so. I mean, the stranger is, you know, the Dan Savage's edited Seattle Weekly paper. Yeah, yeah. I was, right. I'm okay. thinking of, um, what the, the hell is the stranger? <laughs> no, oh, the, the believer. You were thinking yeah, of the believer. Yeah, think, I'm yes. thinking of, what the hell is his name? Dave Eggers. I'm thinking of Dave Eggers. You're thinking who of Dave Eggers. Yeah. I always go to, is my fraction go to? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. No. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I thought that's where you were going. Yeah, okay. sorry. No, but yes. Anyway, continue. It's uh, funny that, like, I'm like, no, I think it's the best it's been for a few months. I really enjoyed it. And yet I'm also the one being like, it didn't seem real. It yes. seemed like a funny comedy. Well, I, yeah, I kind of get it. I will, cause, cause there was, cause I think, again, this is my thing about these lists. Like, even that issue of Sex Criminals, where I was like, ah. I'm still like I'm so glad this is this is here. If nothing yeah, I'm else, yeah, so glad this exists. Yeah, if nothing else, I feel that um, Fraction is is a dude who, if you if as we've learned on Hawkeye, if you line him up with the right artist, what you get is definitely one of those amazing like firecracker like more than the sum of its parts kind of things. And I I think that Zdarsky is a a perfect match. For fraction on this stuff like even when i was kind of eh, i was still like in awe of some of the amazing you know smutty porn title ripoffs or whatever you know it was just yeah there's was... there is always enough yeah to make it worthwhile exactly exactly um and i i here's the thing i think the more i think about this the vast majority of my affection for this issue is based around the Wicked and the Fine Sketch. Yeah, I could see it. I totally I, 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 I'm literally looking through it right now being like, yeah, it's actually not that good, but that bit in the middle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. That bit it really, middle, it yeah. really, it really yeah. is turning into that. That's not true. There's that bit in the middle and I really like the argument page. Yes. Yeah. Actually, I thought the argument page was quite good as well. I mean, see, that's the thing. The thing that I think is really great. There, honestly, the after the Wicked and Divine thing where there is the list of all the porn titles broken into the ca- – and then captions floating above that, I thought that that was – that's a pretty spectacularly done page. Like I went through the entire page and then had to flip back and read it again and, and realize the way in which – the page is accomplishing a little bit of what it's criticizing because it's literally talking about, you know, her pursuit of the orgasm, but also that idea of like, she's, you know, in this process of becoming um, sort of invisible to everyone because she's becoming this porn star, you know, and then you've got all these ridiculous porn parody covers, which are just goofy and some are, lame and some of them are hilarious and but my favorite my favorite by far is girls going wild and then back to normal and then wild again yeah (laughs) (laughs) which is is a great joke so um and realizing like oh right like even though i'm not doing this in like oh i'm so turned on right now i'm still missing what she's saying i'm still i'm literally overlooking her because of this yeah exactly exactly because there there is a visual overload on the page yeah and i just thought and also there's a narrative told in the covers yes agreed absolutely Mm -hmm. i think so as well um yeah no i it's yeah, it, it's funny. I, I started off being like, no, Jeff, this is a good issue. And then it went to, no, it's not, because... And now back to, no, it is a good issue. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sex Criminals is probably the book 
this year that I've been like, this is good. No, it's not. This is good. This yeah. is, no, it's not. So much. Yeah. I just can't make up my mind about it. Yeah. Yeah. That and it's, it's, um, uh, it's, I'm not, and Pretty Deadly, uh, for me. Pretty Deadly, which came out this year, was also a book where I, vacillated i was i was on the bus like then off the bus sometimes multiple times uh per issue you know where it was just like oh my god this is so great you know and then it's like this is like it's just not there it's like it's ambitious as hell but it's not it's not pulling its weight it's not it's not hitting what it's punching at, you know, and then there would be I, another breakdown or something in the, uh, of beautiful page. And I'd be like, I kind of don't care. This is worth it to keep coming back <laughs> to, you know, the, um, this is not hitting what it's, what it's aiming for thing. Mm -hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, that's my review of bitch planet. Jeff, what is next in your, <laughs> I can't, I, I, I was really bummed. I didn't get a chance to read that. I have it on the table. Didn't get a chance. To, uh, there's a lot of stuff I didn't get a chance to read. And Oh my God, I think maybe you were right about Avengers, which is, Heartbreaking in a way. Um, Wait, I was right about Avengers. We may not be able to talk. Oh, I'm yeah. like, we're well, supposed yeah. we're to not, talk about. We're not, not going to be able to do Avengers. Oh we're, we're just, god, oh. people are going to kill us. But it will be the last. Anyway, Batman, Batman and Robin. Uh, like I said, I dig them. They are books that I'm glad for that are out there. Even though, honestly, I can't. They're not great. Batman Eternal is even less than that. It is Batman Eternal is starting to feel like. Every issue I buy is another variation on, you know, why are you hitting yourself? Why are you hitting yourself? So, um, but like I said, the I, bat I, office has stuff. Yes. As someone who's buying Future's End, I think that's just the motto of DC. Oh, yeah, exactly. That would be great. DC's <laughs> Weekly. Why are you hitting yourself? Uh, Southern Bastards. She-Hulk by uh, Charles Soleil. I only read the first two issues. I, there might be a third issue on Marvel Unlimited, but I... It uh, even be a fourth. Oh, God. Am I that far behind? I'm sort of excited because I'm like, oh, boy. Reading two issues at once will be great. That's a really enjoyable book. That is by far the most um, enjoyable time that I... Uh, Soleil's stuff that I've enjoyed. Although, I, I've got to try more of his other stuff, really. I know. Um, Outcast by Kirkman and Azaketa and Walking Dead. Both with huge kind of... Even for me, it's like, really? But in terms of, uh, do they? am I glad when they pop up on the rack? Do I buy them? Are they among the first read? Yes, absolutely. Um... That's because you're a robot, not a book that keeps coming back to the stores, keeps me coming back to the stores because it was a one shot, but I, I thought it was a really uh, kind of great Shaky Kane comic. That I completely forgot about that. That yeah. was really good. It was wasn't a classic it? Shaky Kane one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Really, really good. Um, Judge Dredd, Mega City 2, City of Courts, which came out this year. Uh, I, I wasn't, I wasn't. Totally in love with it by the time it was done, but Douglas uh, and Ulysses Farina did uh, some amazing stuff with it. It was great reading a book that felt so unlike a Judge Dredd book, but yet was also very clearly so richly steeped in Judge Dredd lore. And if nothing else, just felt thanks in part to me. Well, actually, both Wolk and Farina went the extra distance to make that feel like a weirdly real world, despite it being like just an absolute cartoon of a cartoon of a cartoon, like just the levels to which of depth that they put onto that onion were amazing. Um, Snipe 
by uh, Stuart and Catherine Eminen that was uh, self-published, I think, on Comixology Submit was a really strange little book that I would love to see more of. Again, not like best of, but but oh my God, there was some amazing stuff they did on that. They are two just... The, with their, when they collaborate together on this stuff, they, I really, they go, they go there and I would want to see them go there more often. You've, you've seen, you've read moving pictures, right? I, I want to say that I did and I was kind of underwhelmed by it. That's the Nazi one. Yeah, that's the Nazi one. Yeah, it didn't. And there's also It's Never As Bad As You Think, which I may be misremembering the name of. And that's the one that I think I need to read, I think. Uh, oh, no. I, I Snipe really did it for me. It may just be that, though, I, I'm I'm a big fan of sniper fiction, um, but I really liked what they did with it. It was, like, just a really great melting ground. They've got they've – got They've got just oodles of talent and ambition and kind of a very weirdly offbeat approach to things that I I would love to see them develop, you know, miles away from the the Marvel ground that, you know, that yeah, they currently they're, tread, they're, which they're um, quite good in, I have to yeah. say, too. So. You've completely reminded me that I totally meant to say um, Harbinger and the second life of Dr. Mirage. In yes. my place as well. Right. Yeah. That for, I still haven't read the second issue. That first issue was amazing. And I still, the second issue has been sitting in my to read pile for like over a month now or something. And the third issue should be in there as well. Uh, oh, did I pick that up? Maybe I, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I should mention I love, since I loved, uh, Al Ewing's work, I of course tried out Loki, um, on the Marvel Unlimited app and I find it, uh, I find it a lot of fun. You said you were, you thought you had problems with it, didn't you? Or did you not? I can't come and go on it. Mm-hmm. I, I can't remember. Did I like, love the first? I think I liked the first, love the second. Was unconvinced by the third and fourth, was back on by the fifth, and then there was a crossover. <laughs> ah, okay. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, I would have to say, I think, yeah, I just, I, I think I've only read, again, it's like, most of these are twofers, so it seems really silly for me to make them on the list, but Loki and Ghost Rider, uh, all-new Ghost Rider by Felipe Smith. Um, uh, oh, and Moon Knight by Warren Ellis, uh, Declan Shavley, and Jordi Belair. That is, I mean, I know it's overdone and I would, I would, I don't, I do markedly do not want to read Brian Wood's take on it, but I, I have to say, I like Ellis's little done in ones, you know, I like that he, for the most part, I think that he's gotten better at them as time has gone on. Like I've read, I think three issues of Moon Knight and each one feels like a very strong, interesting read. You know, but of course, part of that might be I'm reading it, you know, on an all-you-can-eat plan, and so it really, technically, really only costs me no more than than the energy it takes to read it. You know, yeah, which is definitely a, an interest. You're, we've said this before. Your perception definitely changes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, can you hear me? By the way. I can, yeah. Okay, because there was a you popped out at the end of that, so I'm like, hmm, maybe we should move quickly. Uh, my list is almost over. Um, I let Hawkeye sit there unread until I read like twelve or thirteen issues of it at a go, like during a very depressing weekend at my parents' house, and um, 
and it and I really I kind of needed it. So I, I, it's it's hard for me to diss the book. It's hard for me to also call it a be all and end all. And of course, to me, David Ajo's work is that guy can make anything a, a must read for me. Um, but still glad that I read it. And then uh, finally, I should I should give a, a shout out to I'm really in that like the sort of the backbone of like books that I'm glad are coming out on a regular basis. Cause I get them and I read them and I enjoy them, even though I wish that they were sometimes like, I wish they were brilliant. Uh, the fade out and fatal by Brubaker and Phillips. Um, both of which are stuff that I enjoy and have had parts that I've enjoyed tremendously. Um, but are also kind of, you know, I don't know. It's, you know, I, like I said, there's the stuff where I'm like, I just don't get excited about it the same way that I feel that Transformers versus GI Joe is going to, ex should excite just about anybody with eyeballs in their head, you know? So that's why I, I think that I think the fade out is substantially stronger than Fatal, but that might just be my personal taste. No, I think, I think that's very, I think that's true. Of, I would say that that is true of everyone um, because it's, it's a much stronger piece of work. I think the only thing where I sort of started wringing my hands was the latest issue took a much stronger detour into James Elroy ishness than I would like. Mm -hmm. um, and on the one hand, that's fine. But in, in a sense, depending on what they end up doing and where they end up going, part of what might make the fade out a stronger title for you is the idea that in a way it's maybe safer ground than I feel that Fatal was for Brubaker and Phillips. On the other hand, I also feel that Fatal has some very difficult problems, which I believe we talked about, about female agency uh, in it. Yeah. Um, yeah, we did. And that, and that is, uh, that is really very, very hard to ignore. So um, and, and fortunately, currently is not anywhere near uh, an issue in the fade out. So, um, so yeah, there we go. Uh, that's there. You have it. Then um, I I'll post this list. I'm going to bully Graham to send me his list so that people who don't have to jot it, all this stuff down with a pen, they can go and look at our show notes over at waitwhatpodcast.com when this episode comes out. But uh, we we are at the two hour mark. We are, yeah. So, so, I think... so we should probably follow up the mention of WaitWatPodcast dot com with the mention of WaitWatPod dot Tumblr dot com. Yes, where you can see, uh, actually, because we didn't get to it, you can see several uploaded um, panels that I had um... of the of Avengers of Walt Simonson's Avengers, which I can't wait to talk to you about because I genuinely think you. We will have different things to say about it. I think we will. I, I, I would, it, you know, on the one hand, I'm sort of relieved that we're not talking about the Avengers because my memory of the 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 every, the last ten issues are very strong. The previous fifteen issues were kind of weak. I didn't get a chance to go back and revisit and refresh my memory and be like, oh yeah, this super adaptoid story really was somehow as underwhelming as I thought it was. You know that kind of thing. So. <laughs> Spoilers, it was. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're also on Twitter at Wait What Podcast. 
Yes, Wait What Podcast. Uh, you can also write us letters at waitwhatpodcast at gmail.com. That would be fabulous. Let's see, Twitter, Tumblr. Keep an eye out for us on uh, Patreon, where currently I believe, I want to say it's 87 people are keeping us cooking strong. And... Are, are keeping us afloat, and we love you all for it very, yeah. very much. It's actually been a while since we've... Or maybe it's not. I feel like it's been a while since we've said thank you very much to everyone who's doing it. But thank you very much to everyone who's doing it. Seriously. Yeah. It's it's kind of amazing. And Uh, it's 87. I'm looking right now. Yeah, 87. And we are... um, We're really, really close to that extra podcast every month. We really are. So (laughs) we're we're like... We'll we'll have to get to thinking about that, huh, Jeff? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Anyway, um, yes... What we will do, in fact, is for people who are patrons there, I think I'm going to look, Graham, I think maybe what we should do, well, you and I have to talk about our scheduling thing, but we are going to have a giveaway. Wait, are we doing, we're not doing the giveaway this time. Shit. Well, it, we, we really don't have time. We really we don't, don't have time. I know, and I want people to do it. People, tune in next time. We will have a giveaway. I think I need to double check with Graham, but I think that the people, uh, we might have a... Patreon listeners get to send us questions that we get to answer, uh, and we, oh, we will cover. That would, that would be a good end of year. Yeah, one. I think or so start, too, or start of next year, depending on when we record it. Yeah, uh, right. Which is what you and I will have to talk about. So, yes. Um, so yes, I think I think what we will have will be the end of our 300 issues of Avengers. That will be a big talk. We will. I think we will be taking questions from our patreon supporters and we will have an amazing giveaway uh with it's amazing yeah it absolutely is <laughs> i'm not i thought that graham didn't even know what it was so that's how amazing, amazing. it is amazing. <laughs> so that's all everyone amazing uh... <laughs> oh man people um it's Probably very likely. Jeff and I have stuck this. It's please wait. This is definitely the last podcast before Christmas, and yes. so have yourself a merry little Christmas, as the song goes. Uh, we hope all of you who celebrate that season uh, have a good one. We hope all of you who don't, nonetheless, have a good few weeks. <laughs> yes, that is great. Uh, uh, it may also be our last podcast of the year um, because no, it's, of, no. it's definitely not. Are you sure? Because two weeks from today is Christmas Day, Jeff, so we won't be recording. Or no, I'm kidding. I know, of course, we won't. I was, I, uh, I, Graham. Well, do you think can you do Boxing Day? Is Boxing Day all the uh, stuff? For I you? think so. Really? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, but not not for work reasons. For other reasons. All right, we'll talk about this offline. That's what I'm saying. So yeah, <laughs> it, it may or may not be our last podcast of the year, people. <laughs> Keep listening. We'll let you know. Graham, do you want to sing us out? Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Bye. <laughs> Psych. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs>